Hi, I'm Jayant Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. In today's episode, we turn our attention to strategic affairs and the recently concluded 2 plus 2 dialogue between India and the US. The big headline from this round of the dialogue is that India and the US signed the Basic Exchange and Cooperation Agreement, or BECA, which involves both countries sharing navigation maps for both the air and the sea, including confidential military data. Crucially, it will give India access to high-quality data from US precision military satellites. So for a part of the podcast, at least, we'll specifically discuss what that means for India's defence sector. For the other part, We'll zoom out a bit and look at these talks and the signing of this agreement in a larger geopolitical context. The continuing standoff with China is an obvious factor that underpins the entire dialogue, and the US has made no secret of the fact that they are looking to build a counter to China's growing influence in this region. There are ongoing discussions and developments in the Quad Alliance between Australia, India, Japan and the US, And amidst all that, it's worth asking if the signing of the Becca Treaty now embeds India more firmly in the US camp, though it has earlier avoided being seen as part of any coalition against China. My guests today to discuss this topic are the Hindu's diplomatic affairs editor, Suhasini Haider, and defense correspondent, Dinakar Perry. Dinakar and Suhasini, uh, thank you once again for joining the podcast today. Thank you, Jai. Thank you, Jai. Right. Uh, so, Dinakar, uh, I think the first question, the best way to start is to start with you um, telling us uh, what exactly is the uh, is the Becker Agreement about, um, the uh, Basic Exchange and Cooperation Agreement, and uh, what does it mean for um, India's defense capabilities? Uh, so, Becker, or as the agreement goes, it's for a geospatial information exchange. And it's, as the U.S. calls it, it's one of the enabling agreements for broader defense cooperation with various countries. U.S. has about 50 plus such Becca arrangements with various countries. So what it essentially does is it allows, it, it creates a framework for exchanging classified satellite as well as geospatial information. And what it means for the Indian military or India in general is that it increases our, say, accuracy, to put in simple terms, it increases the accuracy of our missiles, our targeting you know, precision and so on and so forth. A lot of the US equipment we bought over the years, say C-17 aircraft, C-130, P-8Is, the maritime patrol aircraft, they get better navigational aids. So this is this agreement enables that. And in fact, we are also contemplating purchasing armed drones from the US. It's all in the fast track mode right now. So even for that, to operate that, you know, the Becca kind of lays the groundwork for that. It facilitates that exchange of information. So broadly, that's what it is. And combining this with the previous agreements, the Comcasa especially, they go hand in hand. Comcasa allows you encrypted communications. Becca gives you classified uh, navigational, navigational and geospatial information. So they kind of go together to further your defense cooperation. 
Okay, uh, just um, so I, the kind of um, I, I don't know if this was the simplification of the issue, but some of the headlines I read was that this Becker agreement makes India India's missiles deadlier. Uh, do you want to explain how that might work, or if that's if that's an accurate sort of representation? Yes, yes, I briefly mentioned it. It, it increases the you know, say the the accuracy of our precision and the accuracy of our missiles, or say precision guided missions and say cruise missiles. That's because. For example, say when you fire a missile, you feed the GPS coordinates. GPS is regulated by the US military. And again, we rely on GPS. While we have now our own Navic indigenous GPS, we still rely heavily on the GPS. And if you remember the Kargil time and later, you know, there were times when India has raised questions saying US was blocking you know, GPS signals and so on and so forth. There was a bit of you know, controversies. So this is actually that's what you know, this is what that improves with better. Because of this, we can access that classified information, that more accurate and precise precise information, which will allow us to better target our missiles, better target our you know say our next balakot happens. You can better you know look at the location, the target, and etc. and so, so on and so forth. This is what you know in in a nutshell. That's what it improves. Right. Okay. So, uh, so Asni, we'll kind of intersperse between talking about some specific defense aspects and the larger picture. Um, just in terms of the two plus two dialogue that uh, that that's been that's been that that sort of concluded, um, coming as it does on the eve of a of a U.S. presidential election, uh, what was the what is the kind of general tone of it? What can we you know take away from the from the interaction this time? You know, the two plus two dialogue was something that was announced when Prime Minister Modi went to Washington for the first time to meet uh, U.S. President Donald Trump. And that was in 2017. Uh, it took some time in terms of uh, getting to scheduling it, because in the past, uh, the the sort of combined talks used to always be uh, the external affairs minister and the commerce minister meeting their uh, secretary of treasury and, and secretary of state. Um, when they when they decided instead uh, to actually bring the foreign ministers and the defense ministers together, the idea was that India and the U.S. were taking on a much more strategic uh, partnership, and uh, this needed both the diplomats and the strategic defense um, officials to come together. Uh, in that sense, this was the third iteration of the two plus two, um, uh, and. Uh, uh, they had it in 2018 and 2019, and and uh, when we asked MEA officials why are you holding it so close to the U.S. elections, their response was, and I think even External Affairs Minister S. J. Shankar said this at the at, uh, after the talks, uh, their response was that we hold it every year at the end of the year. Uh, it doesn't take away from the fact that it's a little difficult to. Uh, hold uh, down your visiting officials to assurances they give you in case they don't come back to power. But uh, the, the positive message that comes out of a meeting like this is that there is a confidence on both sides that the Indo-US relationship is actually bipartisan and it is on a strategic firmament that will not be shifted by, uh, you know, who comes to power in the US or who comes to power in India. Uh, when we look at the specifics of these uh, talks uh, held on, on, on Tuesday, uh, we can see that there are three basic categories of, uh, you know, of the India-U.S. relationship that have come into play during this entire visit of uh, Mr. Pompeo and Ms. Esper. And remember that they are also traveling, Mr. Pompeo is traveling to other parts 
of uh, South Asia and Southeast Asia as well. Uh, the first was the signing of the Becca, because this was a way of wrapping up, in a sense, what the Trump administration has made a push for. Uh, if the first foundational agreement was actually signed way back in 2002, uh, it is only after 2016 that the rest uh, have been signed. And it denotes really a kind of shrugging off of all the uh, problems that India and the government has had with sharing this much information with the U.S. because the calculation is that India will get a lot of information as well. And it's nobody's uh, secret that this is a time when India feels these challenges and requires this kind of uh, information sharing. Um, uh, the second part of that was all the bilateral issues that uh, the two sides discussed. And although they didn't really um, uh, discuss very major uh, uh, you know, areas of differences between the two countries, they, uh, they did uh, reaffirm, for example, their partnership when it came to nuclear energy um, and, and other such issues. The, the, the other big highlight from the talks, and I think Mr. Pompeo made it very clear before he came to Delhi, he made it very clear that his trip was really about building some kind of a counter to China. Uh, whether it is in India or whether it is Sri Lanka, Maldives, in Indonesia, where he's traveling to, uh, uh, where he has traveled to after, uh, I think the the message is very clear that there is a threat from what the U.S. calls the Chinese Communist Party, not referring to China directly, um, and and that these meetings are uh, a way of finding common ground against that threat. So that was uh, another big highlight, and I think. Just by the way Mr. Pompeo has planned his travels, the U.S.'s recommitment, if you like, to the neighborhood, uh, particularly to the maritime neighborhood around India, the visits to Sri Lanka and the Maldives. Uh, and uh, remember, in the Maldives and uh, in Sri Lanka, the U.S. is now in uh, uh, you know, a defense dialogue as well. Uh, I think those are the big strategic strands coming from this visit, as, as you said, at this particular time. Right. And Dinaka, just to uh, get back um, just just briefly to the to the Becker Agreement itself in terms of uh, defense procurement, um, it's no secret that the U.S. is not very happy with India purchasing a lot of arms from Russia. Um, does the does the signing of this last kind of uh, major foundational agreement actually uh, lay the groundwork for a more um, you know fruitful relationship in that sector, like India buying arms from the U.S. and weapons? Uh, yes, uh, as uh the State Department sort of fact sheet which said, you know, the, the defense trade between India and the US has, you know, touched about $20 billion. And there are a series of things now in the pipeline, including, as I mentioned, armed drones, you know, artillery guns, and, you know, additional more petrol aircraft. There's a series of things actually lined up. So probably in the next one, two years, they'll see some portion that are already in the pipeline. So that said, while, yes, the US has concerns with Russia, that has not really stopped them from pushing their own equipment to the Indian military. That has been going on. I mean, they have complained, they have raised questions, they have you know, given in favor of Prakatsa. That has been happening, but that has had no effect whatsoever, as we see on India-US defense cooperation and, you know, procurement. They have been clearly picking items for India. And the signing of Becca is, is kind of, you know, Kind of only validates that, and now as we speak, they are also negotiating, say, a, a, a broader maritime information sharing arrangement agreement, which 
India already has with Australia and Japan. That's in the works. And they've already talked about that in their you know, joint statement as well. And in fact, one interesting aspect, uh, which uh, Defense Minister Rajnath Singh mentioned in his comment to the press yesterday, was that both sides are exploring capacity building and joint operation activities in third countries, including Nairobi and beyond. In fact, he did not get into specifics, but he said, we see convergence on a number of such proposals and we take, take those forward. So this only you know, kind of revalidates the point that while there are concerns with Russia, the India-use dynamic is going to go on a bilateral front, you know, respect of how India deals with Russia. That, that seems to be that uh, the double track seems to be working and it's going perfectly. So far, that's the indication. And again, to highlight, uh, as the, the standoff was going on, US did some amount of you know information exchange with India, which now we kind of get formalized in Rebecca, but that was happening. So that, yeah, that's parallel operation is going on. There's no uh, hindrance in any manner because of Russia. Right. Okay. Um, so we had, I think, uh, all three of us did, uh, did did a podcast earlier about about the Quad, and I think this is an issue I've spoken with uh, with Swasni also, you know, separately. Um, so let's just kind of relate it now. I mean, the signing of a crucial deal like this, and given the other developments uh, that have been going on with regard to uh, the Quad Alliance, and as Swasni mentioned, it is uh, it is very much a stated aim of uh, Mr. Pompeo, the U.S. Secretary of State, to kind of create this counter to China. So uh, how can we kind of tie it all together? And maybe, Nanakar, you want to uh, just sort of summarize the latest developments with regard to uh, the Quad Alliance? Sure. Uh, so uh, last week, again, India announced, made a formal announcement that Australia will be joining the Malabar. Previously, the pilot exercise with the US and Japan. Now, you know, so Australia will be there. So it actually formally brings all the four Quad countries into a formal military framework of setting in terms of exercise, because it, it will happen next month, okay, end of November, the exercise is scheduled, and later this week, the formal conference is going to happen to finalize the modalities of it. It will happen, India is hosting it this time. So, that messaging itself is quite you know, symbolic the fact that all the core countries, despite previously Australia backed down because of concerns from China, and now when this is you know, the unprecedented what, what the development has been happening. In the region, including on our northern borders, you know, in Gujarat, now that coming together is, is itself a messaging to China in whatever way it is. Will there be a formal alliance? Probably India is a little still wary. And you should remember that India is not a treaty partner or treaty alliance with the US, while the others are. But that said, there's a lot of commonality which is built up in the last few years. India has now signed all the foundation agreements. Which the others already have in the US, being again partners. India also has a uh, large amount of US origin inventory within commonality, and maritime again is a domain which bilaterally each of them have you know, progressed quite a bit. It's individually, and now it's just about all of them coming together into one platform and operating together. So the interoperability, you know, as the kind of often highlighted term. Is, is already there. It's just about putting all the elements together. For instance, military platforms, agreements, logistics agreements again. This will be the first exercise in which all India has mutual logistics agreements with all the countries. So it inherently builds a certain ease of operating together. 
that itself, you know, kind of takes the quad forward. Where it was is a question again, because just to flag this issue, uh, the MOD statement says Australia is part of Malabar 2020. It doesn't talk of Malabar later. So will Australia continue as Malabar in future? Is still has to be seen for probably for next year. Okay. Um, and so, Asni, um, you know, the, the fact is that India has earlier avoided being seen as part of a coalition against China. But uh, does the does the Becker Treaty now sort of embed it much deeper in the U.S. camp? Is that a shift that is sort of not not reversible from this point onward? And is that a kind of a major geopolitical shift now? Well, I think um, uh, the, the truth is that none of these agreements, even the Quad, and I'm going just by official statements made, uh, none mm-hmm. of these agreements really are are, are you know binding agreements. These are enabling agreements. These are agreements for discussions. These are agreements that help with the logistics around these. Obviously, they give the impression that India is coming closer and closer. And certainly, India is aligning itself much more with the United States, particularly at a time of great challenge um, from uh, from China at the uh, line of actual control. But if you go by the statements and, uh, you know, uh, if you if you even look at the statements made officially and the uh, transcripts released uh, by the Indian side of of their statements, it is only the U.S. side that is named China. It is only the U.S. side that is constantly referring to uh, the challenge from China. On the Indian side, actually, uh, we don't have the uh, you know, similar kinds of statements being made. They seem to leave uh, a sort of uh, a, a space for India to continue what it is doing right now with China, which is a diplomatic negotiation. Regardless of the threat at the line of actual control, the numbers of troops that are amassed over there, and all that has happened, including the deaths of Indian soldiers, uh, the truth is that those are not issues that India has raised in a, in, in a forum with the United States. Even when uh, Secretary of State Pompeo spoke about going to the National War Memorial, referring to the Galwan dead uh, over there as well, we didn't see uh, the government itself actually come out with uh, with, with any statements. Uh, what I'm trying to drive at here is that India is keeping its options open. Uh, one of the reasons is that it does have to deal with China when it comes to its uh, when it's come to uh, when it comes to its land border. So no matter how many agreements it signs with the U.S. Uh, and uh, participates within the Quad, which is essentially a maritime sphere alliance or a coalition, it is still going to have to deal with that challenge on the land. Uh, the second part of it is, of course, also unspoken, which is that uh, the U.S. has in the past, uh, if you like, like a swung in its uh, unhappiness with China and then trying to deal with China. Just in January this year, the U.S. and China were part of trade negotiations. Mr. Trump was praising um, uh, President Xi Jinping. Um, and, and so there is a sense that maybe some of the U.S.'s heat when it comes to China Will be tempered once there's a uh, once the elections are over, regardless of whether Mr. Trump wins or regardless of whether Mr. Biden uh, wins. Probably the kind of uh, harsh rhetoric we have seen against China uh, might actually not be as uh, as harsh post elections. Um, and the third part is that the, that India is a part of many organizations, and and this is something that the leadership continuously makes, which is that India is part of a multipolar world. It has many different uh, coalitions and alliances that it is uh, that it is in discussions with. For example, um, uh, the, 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 the visits 
by external affairs minister s jay shankar and um, defense minister rajnath singh at a time when they were traveling nowhere else were purely to moscow uh, to attend the shanghai cooperation organization agree, uh, meetings and and actually meet with their chinese counterparts there uh, so i think what you're seeing is india showing its commitment to the india us relationship uh, without necessarily making it something that that uh, uh, that cuts out or hinders its other relationships right um so earlier you had mentioned that uh, mr pompeo in particular has has always i think uh, had this pretty strong stance against uh, against china and building this coalition against china so to speak um i it's generally accepted that the one point of continuity that might be there with the biden administration uh, assuming they replace the trump administration would would be that they would continue with a kind of an aggressive stance towards china um so just this is not particularly about this subject but just uh, just to sort of throw the net out wider do you think um, this would change significantly under a biden administration and what would that mean for india yeah i think there is no question that for the past decade in fact that america has been increasingly concerned by the rise of china and by an aggressive rise of china as well but it has tried at different times to deal with china differently uh, i do, i agree with you that there is a bipartisan consensus that china is in fact the us's biggest threat uh, and in a strange way the the kind of rhetoric we had heard against russia before the previous election has now been completely occupied with uh, with the us's feelings towards china i'm not trying to uh, in any way minimize uh, the deep concerns that are felt in the us vis-a-vis -vis china's aggressions in the south china sea uh, china's treatments uh, of its uh, students in hong kong for example or the uigur camps or or, or uh, dissidents in tibet um uh, as well as china's own unilateral initiatives like the belt and road initiative but it, there is no question that the us will make its decision on how to deal with china in its own interests and i think that's why uh, india and many other countries are actually also uh, continuously dealing with the threat but also hedging their bets in terms of uh, what might happen now uh, in terms of what happens in the us congress what happens uh, with with the white house once there is a, a president uh, in place after the elections uh, i i do uh, see that the current uh, kind of antagonism with china will continue uh but it may as i said may be tempered in an in an effort to grapple with the problem the us still does have to deal with its trade issues with china those aren't going away those may have you know been put aside while uh the chinese issue comes came to a pitch ahead of the elections but the us still has a massive deficit in fact by some accounts its deficit with china has actually grown ever since it put its new tariffs into play um and i think uh, like with any other country in terms of the next year uh, in a world that is coming out of the coronavirus pandemic the economy is going to become more and more important because that is the first thing that all countries are going to have to stabilize um and finally i think where you are going to see uh, the fault lines between the us and china grow is perhaps in spheres like technology where the us does definitely want to contain china's power particularly with something like the 5g and hoping that other countries also come along and 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 uh, join forces if you like with the us and um uh, in in terms of uh, uh, in 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 terms of 
uh, building and, and using technologies that form alternates to what China offers right now. Right. And Danaka, uh, just perhaps to end, uh, we can end where we started. Uh, so about Becca, which I, which I mentioned is the last of the four kind of foundational agreements. Um, what, what does this really mean uh, going forward um, for India-US relations, for India's uh, defense, once again, if you can sum up? So, let's see, uh, the, the four foundational agreements or enabling agreements, as the US calls them, they are essentially administrative arrangements. They are not, they are non-binding. They are agreement, uh, administrative arrangements which put in a framework for future cooperation. They don't, they don't inherently mean anything on their own. Say, for instance, limo-wise, just right. administrative bookkeeping. So, when each other, each one of them visit each other's ports or, or high seas, when say they need fuel, food, etc., they don't have to do book accounting on the spot, they can do it at the end of the year. And so is with Becca or Kumkasa or anything else. It is not fine either India to do something for the US or the US to do something for India. So, yeah, this will be the basis for future cooperation as we see, say, other as uh, bilateral uh, defense exchanges or say, military to military cooperation, both liaison officers being posted in each other's facilities, which is being worked out. These will be simplified by the arrangement being in place. So that's the essence of the foundational agreements, just to you know, put the arrangements in context. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. I think uh, we've got a um, range of perspectives in that conversation. Thank you both for joining us, Suhasini and Dinakar. Thank, Thank you, Jai. In Focus, we'll be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.